The Interrobank podcast is brought to you by Simply Financial. Flex on your ex-bank with up to $700 from Simply Financial. Visit simply.com today. Conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the Red Couch Podcast. I am your host, Ben Harrietha. This week on the podcast, we're going to zoom out from London and Fanshawe to the international scale to talk about some world news. Uh, joining me to chat about the world's state of affairs, Interrobang editor, Hannah Theodore. Hannah, Hello. Welcome. What's oh. up, Ben? How's it going? Yeah, uh, it's going good. I'm excited to talk about world news because there is so much stuff to- going on and uh, it's, it's, I, it's hard to talk about news with people who uh, aren't following the news. Yeah, I mean, especially with the state of things right now, I think, um, well, gosh, we're probably just real downers if we try to talk about any of the stuff going on. Yep. Because uh, it's not 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 all great. Not all great. Yeah, I try to talk about like some of the stuff that's going on with my roommate, and I could like actively see her mood like decreasing as I say more things. Well, and isn't it fun when it's like, yeah, this is this this is what's going on in my brain all the time every day like i yeah. <laughs> i never escape this uh, no i'm like this is always of information i'm exposed to <laughs> this is always what's happening it's yeah. just like this in, in my twisted mind yes you know? <laughs> oh, welcome welcome to my beautiful not fantasy <laughs> so it, on that note what are what are what stories are you uh what international stories are you like really keeping an eye on or national anything honestly yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. I I guess like starting kind of close to home, I'm like fascinated by this Toronto mayor situation. You know what's interesting is I had um someone in my office yesterday, they were a student from India. They were asking me about John Tory and they had been hearing about this resignation. He was like, "Why why did he have to resign? Like I don't understand." And I was like, what do you mean? Like, you know, he had he had an affair. And he was like, yeah, but like, this is personal life. And he started talking to me about how like in India, like he, the politicians are all corrupt and like there's they're, they're criminals and everyone knows they're criminals and they're still in power. And I was like, well, that's not good. <laughs> I was like, that's not good, though. And I was like, I agree that here I think we do have like a weird moral thing in the West, especially about like extramarital affairs, which I do think are more common than people want to admit. However, it was a staffer <laughs> yeah. who was significantly younger than him. There's a power issue there, right? Um, so trying to like, to me, it was like, yeah, no brainer, but also no brainer in the sense that like, here we are again with like men in power doing just what they do, I guess. Um, yeah, I'm a, uh, and I grew up in Toronto, so I, I saw like the Rob Ford saga play out in real time. Do you mm. remember that? I it was I was a little young to really be understanding what happened. Uh, What's crazy about that is that like people like late night hosts were talking about us. People don't talk. They don't talk about Canada, no. <laughs> at, like not municipal politics on like Jimmy Fallon. But they were. It was so shocking that we had like videos of our mayor smoking crack and like doing press conferences, talking about like how he didn't like have sexual relations with a woman, but in much less friendly terms than that. Like 
it was so wild. And here we are, like, under his brother's <laughs> premiership with a mayor that was just given unprecedented mayoral powers by the provincial government um, and is now resigning from that position because of like pure foolishness um and 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 63 percent or something of his supporters actually don't want him to resign yeah and they're reportedly doug ford and christian freeland have also suggested that he not actually resign um i think it just gives you such a clear idea of like the state of where we're at right now in ontario and especially in toronto where I just think something super weird is going on, especially considering how close this all was to the whole developer scandal with uh, Doug Ford. Uh, it just feels like a pretty wild distraction. Um, anyway, it's, that's, it's where, like, that's where I'm at with that. <laughs> yeah, and it's so messed up that like so many people on council and, and you know, again, reportedly uh, that Doug Ford is like, no, no, don't quit. Don't quit. Yeah. And it's like, and it's like, I don't think the problem is that he just had an affair. It's that yeah. he had an affair with a staffer who mm -hmm. wasn't like, weren't they like a lot younger than he was? Also? Yeah, he was like, she was like 31. And yeah, he's and he's like, like he's 68. He's pushing 70. Yeah, not, <laughs> not cute. <laughs> um, definitely not great. Why do politicians yeah. keep doing this? I don't like uh, uh, something happens to dudes in power. Like, I don't know what. <laughs> But it, like this sense of entitlement and, you know, uh, it's it's just shocking that I can't imagine it, the dude was married for 40 years. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And why did you think that you were going to be able to keep this a secret? So like we have to as journalists, like we have to shout out the Toronto Star for breaking that story mm -hmm. um, because I don't think that he would have resigned if like it had stayed a secret right this was like a couple years ago if i'm not mistaken so how long how the fact that it, it went this long without anyone knowing and he was just going about his business increasing the police budget giving them three hundred thousand dollars for a freaking podcast like what yeah. <laughs> and so he's and now he's gonna stay in power long enough probably for this budget uh, proposed budget budget to pass um just just for one last little screw you to the city of toronto yeah um, i will say as, as as much as you can get i i don't want to be like props to john tory but because uh <laughs> john tory uh sucks and uh <laughs> but i will say it, it seems that he at least is sticking to the idea he's like he's like no i'm going to resign even though people yeah. are telling him don't resign he's like no, I'm going to like this was I made a mistake. I'm going to resign. Yeah, I think that if he does follow through with it, then that will be like the only respectable thing I think he has ever done or can do at this point. Um, I really think that there's nothing more embarrassing than like clinging to power uh, yeah. in any respect. That's why, like. I mean, we were kind of talking about this before, and I don't want to get super into it, but like Jacinda Ardern resigning and now Nicola Sturgeon resigning, like. I almost think that there's something way cooler about acknowledging that you're not the best person for the job right now. And there's maybe someone who could do it better than you. Um, and then like taking the initiative to step down and say, you know, I'm, I'm not handling this well right now. 
And I know that, you know, I, I want the people that you're serving to be served as best as possible. Right. I think that's way more noble and respectable than just clinging on to power when you're like pushing 80 and, uh, <laughs> you know, barely able to form sentences anymore. And yet you're still like in this huge position of power. Like, I just think that's, I just don't appreciate that. <laughs> not to name any names of world. Yeah. I'm not like anything, suggesting you know? anything, but you know, like I think <laughs> I really do have like a, I really think there needs to be like age limits on no, some you're, you're certain right. political positions. Um, but uh, it's, yeah, it's, so it's kind of funny how you can look at the uh, take the take the presidents of the United States for Amer- for an example, and yeah. how you can look at how like who are the worst presidents that the states have ever had, and who are also the oldest presidents, and you find that a lot <laughs> of the time they line up. There's some overlap there. <laughs> there's, a, there's a little bit of overlap. Yeah. Um, so politics is uh it's it's just it's so wild sometimes because it goes from being like incredibly boring to just uh scandal, 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 scandal. Because it seems yeah. like they just all happen within like five months of each other. Yeah, right. Well, and I'm pretty sure John Tory's mandate when he first took office like 10 years ago was that his goal was to like bring boring back to the city of Toronto after, you know, all the kind of chaos that we had endured prior to that, which I had been (laughs) speaking about earlier. So, you know, I think that realistically he, he did achieve that for a good long time. There was not, we never quite reached the levels of scandal (laughs) that we did with Rob Ford. Um, But I think under, under uh, the Ford government and, especially with these new mayor mayoral powers this past year. And I think when a lot of things came to light in 2020 too, about police budgets and policing in general, Toronto kind of came under the spotlight because they are sort of the biggest municipality with probably the biggest police budget uh, in Canada. Um, You know, during the whole, during the black lives matter movement of summer of 2020, like there was a lot of conversation there and you know, a lot of stuff came to light about these police budgets, especially in Toronto. So there to see how that not only got ignored, but then also we actually increased the budgets. Um, you know, it just felt like there was there was a push for progress. And perhaps in his uh, attempts to keep things boring or, uh, you know, sticking to the status quo, perhaps you know, we, we kind of, we didn't achieve a lot of the progress. I think we, you'd hope a city like Toronto would achieve. Right. Yeah. It's man. I just, I I hate the state of Ontario politics right now. It's just so it's, it's just so frustrating seeing it like as like a young person. Yeah, I bet. It's it's just like, everything's on like a, I don't want to be like, everything's on a downward spiral, but it's like one, it's so like disheartening yeah some of the policy changes that are being put in place and like how people are talking about um some of the more progressive policy Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's just and 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 like it's just so like frustrating yeah i mean i think things i hope that things are going to kind of ebb and flow and like we go through these cycles 
of conservatism and you know we often come out the other side feeling like this sort of disillusioned and angry and confused and then we'll have a few years of the opposite of that and then the other side gets angry and confused and we we go back and forth forever um and it, I, I think we're seeing that right now with like the moral panic on a broad scale related to like LGBT issues in the States, especially, right. Like all these policies that are being passed at the state level about trans folks, like this is, and the things that they're saying are like the exact same things they said, you know, 20, 30 years ago when the conversation was like about gay marriage. Mm -hmm. Right. I saw someone talking about how, so back then, there was a, or in the 90s especially, there was a, a really popular trend called like the ex-gays. And these people would kind of get paraded around Christian um, like daytime television and also any kind of show that was trying to spark conversation about like the fears surrounding queer people. And the ex-gays were like people that would kind of come on and say like, I used to have homosexual thoughts but then I saw God and I, 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 I turned my back on that and now I'm not gay anymore. Um, and they were like, they, they kind of trucked these people all over the place. Cause they were like, look, see, it's possible. It is a choice. And you can, you don't have to stay that way. Right. And it really fed into their argument and that being gay wasn't just something that you were born with, or that was inherent to your identity. And now we're seeing the same thing at the state level at these hearings they're holding with the the detransition crowd right it's kind of the same thing that they they find like they're like first of all it's like less than one percent of trans folks who actually detransition and research shows that the reason they detransition is because of like hatred and discrimination that they face um throughout the transition process not because they don't want to be trans anymore um and they bring these people out to these hearings to say look how look how sad they are that they went through this and how horrible their lives are now um and it's just like they're recycling all the same talking points to scare people from the same things they were trying to scare them from you know however however long it's been since the last time we did this right exactly and 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 the thing they don't understand is like it's like yeah our lives are miserable because you're making it miserable yeah it's like it's like there's a reason we all all like these people are detransitioning because they don't want to have to deal with people harassing them yeah possibly dying exactly Uh, like i i recognize that i'm in like a pretty uh pretty good place of privilege being uh like white first off and then also even though like i'm non-binary it's like I still look like a man, so people aren't going to mess mess with me, obviously. Mm. Um, but like, that doesn't mean like I, I have I have friends who are trans women and they're like, yeah, it's sometimes scary to just go outside because, yeah, I, I know that some people are just going to be. Um, weirdos is, I think, too soft a word uh, to say, but um, it's true. That's yeah, I see what you're saying, though, like. <laughs> Like yeah, <laughs> like like people are just gonna be really uh weird and dense about who I am as a person yeah. when really it's not anyone's business except your own. I right. Think. 
um to, well, when it comes like, to like gender presentation <laughs> exactly right like the weirdness and the weirdness is the best case scenario right because the worst case scenario is that you actually face violence and you know it, the rate at which trans folks are murdered just for existing right and i think like the the detransition conversation too has a lot to do with how comfortable cis people are with how passable trans people are as the gender that they identify with like um they always we will never talk about buck angel again but people always use the example of like do you want buck angel in a woman's washroom right like this is your standard of like what by your by these people's definitions right folks that seem very passably male or on on the other side very passably female in in your mind, they should just walk into the bathroom that which, that aligns with the gender they were assigned at birth, right? Um, and then you want to I want to look at these people and be like, would you actually feel comfortable with that? You really just are basing your entire perception of these people on how they appear to you, right? Because I think if if someone who tr- like passed fully as female walked into a woman's washroom, I don't think they would have the same reaction. Because they're imagining a fake scenario, right? Where some dude in a dress is like attacking them in washrooms. These yeah. are imagined scenarios that are not happening. Um, <laughs> like, and yeah, again, a- again, we find that like the thing that we're actually afraid of is cis men, right? Like yeah. that's everything comes back to, to, to that. Like that's what, that's what women are and everyone I think are generally more afraid of. It's not the sneaky trans folks that are pretending you know yeah because like i don't know most trans people just want to get about their day yeah don't really care about (laughs) what like other like and and the the weirdest thing they're like like some of these people who are doing like the moral panic they're like but but what if what if you were in in the bathroom stall and the person beside you had a penis it's like okay like i don't care i don't (laughs) care why do you a, care? That's exactly, weird. Exactly. <laughs> you know what? I was at the Grand Theater this weekend or last week, rather, and they have uh, gender neutral washrooms. Um, and they're, it's really cool how they lay them out. Like the stalls are fully private. Like they have full on doors with like locks on them. Um, but then like everyone shares the sinks and the and all that. And it's really cute. They have like pads and tampons right on the counter. Um and the only complaint I had is that men still don't put the seat down, even when they have to share washrooms. But oh, uh, otherwise, it was fine. Men's <laughs> like... washrooms are the most foul place on the planet. <laughs> um, they're the worst. <laughs> and uh, uh, and I, I, I feel like no one should experience a men's washroom. <laughs> I'm glad the gender neutral the gender neutral washrooms are becoming more of a thing. Yeah. Uh, because it always has just made sense to me to have it set up in that way. Like Western yeah. has washrooms in the same kind of style where it's yeah. it's like a fully like it's almost more like a change room with a yeah. toilet, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um and then they and then they just have sinks. And so when we went and did di- distribution there, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, this is like really like this is the way you should do a gender neutral washroom. I think this is just the way you should do any washroom. Well, um, like yeah, I mean, like, 
is your washroom at home divided by gender? Exactly. Like, right? you know? like we like, all understand the concept of just going to the washroom and then continuing with your day. Like, why are they so fixated on it? Yeah. And it's like, and it's like the weirdest thing is like some people like will call out trans people for going to washroom. It's just like, just leave me alone, man. I'm just trying to, you know, go pee. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, 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 it's so bizarre. I think the other piece too, and this is, this is the other thing that kind of harkens back to, uh, well, I mean, it's a, it's a constant conservative talking point, but like the kids, oh my God. But what about the kids, you know? And that's the other thing they, that seems to be the topic of conversation. And a lot of these state hearings, and I think it's all because of like gender criticals on Twitter that conflate gender affirming care with, you know, what this is the same thing they always say. It's all about like, and I'm sorry to use like such strong language, but like mutilation. We're yeah. mutilating children. You're cutting off their genitals. Like, you can't you can't even get through to these people how much that is not happening right and almost i was saying this yesterday that like you can almost see why they're so outraged if that's what they really think gender affirming care is right yeah and that it must be really confusing for them when like adult trans folks go to these hearings and talk about how life changing and and beautiful and beneficial gender affirming care was for them and in these people's minds, all they're imagining is childhood genital mutilation, right? Yeah. And it unfortunately, just they're wrong, but yeah, it just shows how little they actually know yeah. about this stuff, because like, no, we're not going to put your six year old on estrogen. No, we're like, not going no. to, you know, like, it, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, the, the only thing that like may happen at that age is that like when they turn to be like 12 they might put them on blockers of some sort yeah it's it just shows how little they actually research and know about this stuff and they just say things they just basically exactly they just talk out of their uh out of their behind yeah um, it's it's a combination of like refusing to acknowledge because like the, the research is out there right like the data is there and the testimonials from real human beings exist but they don't care about that and either they're like willfully choosing to ignore it or what i see from like a lot of people who think this way is that they straight up think that like scientific studies are lying and like i've i've been watching all those a lot of those jubilee videos where they have like two opposing sides do you ever watch those uh I try to avoid debate videos. They make me angry. <laughs> well, honestly, same. Like, I really struggle. <laughs> I hate debates. These videos I find interesting because they're usually not experts. They're just people who, like, it'll be like uh, liberal parents versus conservative parents. Like, just people with beliefs that <laughs> are just, you know, usually certain sides tend to be perhaps a little bit more educated. But the side that especially when it's like anti-trans and anti-LGBT or any, any, anything that's anti-science, like people will cite data and research to their faces and they'll be like, well, that's a lie. I don't believe that stuff. I don't read that stuff. That's not true. Yeah. It's like they act actively will like deny <laughs> the reality of those studies. So you really cannot get through to them 
if they just have convinced themselves that those things are not true and they're not credible. Um, because what is true to them is the detransition subreddit and uh, Matt yeah. Walsh's Twitter. Like, you know, it's um, it feeds back into what they their true core fear. And I think the core fear is that my child might turn out to be gay or trans. Yeah. Um, right. And that and, and and so because ultimately it goes against their whole belief system as conservatives to suggest that like the, the, the laws that they're passing are infringing on people's freedoms. This goes against their whole thing. Right. Because it's not your child that we're, we're turning trans. It's it's someone else's child and you're trying to stop them from accessing that care. But I think it's because the fear is that if if the child in my in my child's classroom starts to transition or starts being asked to um, asking to use different pronouns, then that's going to influence my child somehow. And and then they're going to get these ideas and then they're going to become this way, too. Um, which is just it's just crazy. Yeah. And it's it's like that old saying, you know, it's 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 hard to to win an argument with a clever person. It's even harder to win an argument with an idiot. Mm, um, yeah, because because, yeah, that's that's true. You can basically present all the facts possible. Yeah. And these people will just go, no, they don't care. Uh, and it's like, well, OK, this isn't a debate. You're just. Not like you're just being obtuse. Yeah, yeah, uh, literally. And I don't know. And the whole argument of like, oh, what about the kids? Kids don't care. They don't care. They don't care. They don't care. This stuff is learned. They don't care. Yeah. Uh, well, and that's inherently, the thing, right? kids are kind. Like we, the, they think that like the reason that people want children to learn about LGBT people, right? Because no one's te- <laughs> this is another thing, right? Like no one is teaching your kids how to have gay sex. They're just teaching them that gay people exist. Yeah. Right. <laughs> And like, and, and what is, what is wrong with that? And it, then they start to reveal themselves, right? When you start asking those kinds of questions, so it, it becomes the usual fallacies, right? The slippery slope argument. Well, if yeah. you teach them about this, then you're going to start teaching them about this and this and this. And it's like, now you're conflating queerness to a bunch of bad things, <laughs> right? Yeah. So you've literally just revealed what you're, what you truly feel which is that you think that queerness is something that is too just too awful for children to be exposed to and that we should just let them be kids because oh my god how could you ever open them up to something so hard to understand you know like it's it's healthy to just start conversations because then your kids grow up to be less hateful you yeah. know, they don't grow up to be gay. <laughs> Maybe they will. But if they were going to do that anyway, they, or they were going to do that anyway, whether you taught them about gay people or not. Yeah, exactly. Man, it's just it's 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 all bad. I, I did want to I want to talk about one more thing before we uh, before we finish up here. I did want to yes. talk about the uh, Ohio train train. Oh, my God. Yeah, because uh, that and, and uh, unfortunately, we're running out of out of time on our Zoom meeting, but we will okay. we do uh, we will have at least five minutes to chat about this because it is this has been on my mind since it yeah, happened. Yeah, dude. I mean, I think at the very least it's even if we don't have a lot of time, I think it's good that we just are mentioning it 
because it's probably the New York Times just reported on this yesterday. It happened on February 3rd. Yeah. Why? Like, why are the conversations just now happening? People on the ground have been talking about the like effects of what happened. And this is now like in the last like week, there have been two train derailments, including the one in East Palestine. And now um, a truck with like crazy chemicals also like pouring out over the highway. And I'm going to forget where it is. Texas. It was in Texas. Um, Like environmental disasters are happening all over the United States, specifically in the transportation industry, which has been historically underfunded with underpaid workers and uh, like very poor labor conditions. Yeah. Um, You know, and and now the environment and communities are going to suffer because of this. And it's 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 people are like trying to be like, well, this is an accident. It could happen. It's like, no, this was an entirely preventable accident, because what happened was that they were uh, all the upper execs of these train companies uh, and railway companies were like, yeah, you know how you usually take three minutes to expect each car Uh, get that down to 90 seconds or you're going to lose your job. And so they just basically stopped inspecting a lot of the cars because um, they needed a job. Mm. And uh, that ended up leading to, uh, you know, it's it's uh, a a train carrying vinyl chloride and nine (laughs) other hazardous chemicals. Um, And and I, I think the other thing that a lot of people, especially like Canadians, don't mm-hmm. realize is how close that is to us oh it, these yeah if it, you were like if you were able to it, it's it's across the lake so you'd have to drive around the lake but if you were to able to drive straight to ohio like east palestine ohio yeah it would take two hours and never mind that these these rivers right people have probably heard about the fish dying yep. right if you've heard anything about this story that's probably what you've heard that river flows into like a great lake <laughs> yeah. which provides drinking water for us and those uh states that that border them as well so it's this has vast implications um and i think it not just environmentally not just in terms of health but in terms of like labor and conversations that are not happening around this industry cuz guess what truckers and trains these are the kinds of things that we're talking about automating down the line you know look how these systems are failing with decreased um human review right and now you you're they're talking about fully automating these industries we're doomed you know it's not that's not yeah you know we need human action and (laughs) human awareness of what's going on on the ground um not less of that not less and the worst part of it i think is 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 how quickly they returned people to to their homes shocking yeah it, it, before they pe- even knew like- yeah <laughs> and, and, pe- and they're like oh it's the air and water are still safe and people are like hey why are there like a bunch of dead fish in the river still yeah and yeah. like that squirrel just fell out of that tree dead like i don't yeah. think we're we, it's safe to be here and yeah. uh and they're just like no 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 no, you're there's fine. a there's a story on Vice right now about a guy who his whole family they had just like started paying off their mortgage on a house in East Palestine and now he says like we're leaving like because he he lived right next to the train derailment too 
like right exactly right beside where it happened, basically. And he was like, first of all, like no one's going to buy this house now ever. Yeah, <laughs> They're living in an Airbnb because they don't want to stay in the home. Um, they had to leave their dogs there, but their dogs are fine. And like, he's got two, he's got like a kid and a wife and they're living out of an Airbnb because they're too scared to live in their home that they were, they were just starting to pay off. Um, like, and that's only because he's had, he has the awareness enough to know that that's not somewhere he should be. Right. Not everyone might have access to that or know that. And they, they're just going back home to, to risks unknown. Right. Um, yeah, it's negligent. It's scary. Yeah. I love the world we live in. (laughs) You know, (laughs) the good news is like where we are is that we get to watch these things unfold down south. And I almost feel like we can be prepared for them when they do start to trickle over here, whether that's anti-LGBT rhetoric, whether it's uh, political scandals uh, or whether it's environmental issues. We can really learn, I think, from what we see in the United States and try to not let those kinds of things take over here. Um, There's uproar right now in Kelowna about a billboard. I don't know if you saw this Um, with uh, they've got like the Pride Progress flag on it and a big, big billboard that says, do you know what your kids are really learning in schools? And then like a website to something about being anti-woke or whatever. Yeah. And the community is fighting back because they're like, no, we don't do this here. This is not we are not going to go down this rabbit hole. We're normal here. Well, we're going to at the very least, we're going to try to be normal. Right. Because this is this is uh, as soon as these ideas start gaining steam here, we don't need another freedom convoy. You know, (laughs) we don't need people invading school board meetings to complain about wokeness. Like, let's let's be better. Exactly. Be better. <laughs> and be better that's the that's the message of this <laughs> yeah. podcast yeah. Uh, yeah so thank you for joining me this week anna thanks ben all right and thank you guys for listening to another episode of the red couch podcast as always you can catch up with every episode on our website or wherever you get your podcasts pick up your copy of the interrobang on newsstands now follow us on twitter instagram and facebook and be sure to subscribe to our newsletter to keep up with all things fan shop for the interrobang i'm ben harrietta The Interrobank Podcast is brought to you by Simply Financial. Flex on your ex-bank with up to $700 from Simply Financial. Visit simply.com today. Conditions apply.